You're listening to the Big Finish Podcast. Ah. Hello, I'm Benji Clifford, sound designer, music man, curly-head Spyridon warrior, and I'm joined here by Lord Admiral of the Fleet, Mr. Nicholas Briggs, who has courageously travelled the seven seas to return to us from Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Love uh, it's it. great to be back <laughs> etc it says here <laughs> uh, by the way i'm contractually obliged to tell you big finish productions are the proud purveyors of fine audio dramas and audio books doctor who tortured blake seven to name but three <laughs> And you can visit us at www.bigfinish.com to find out more. Yeah, it's like the Avengers Survivors, the Amiga Factor, Terror Hawks, The Confessions of Dorian Gray, Sherlock Holmes, The Adventures of Bernice, Summerfield, Dark Shadows, Dracula, Frankenstein, The Prisoner, anything else? Countermeasures, uh, Dalek Empire, Graceless, Charlotte Pollard, Jago and Lightfoot, and even more. I thought you said Sherlock Pollard then, uh, but that's <laughs> but just me being old and dead. It yeah, Sher- <laughs> it's our new series we're releasing, Sh- Sherlock Pollard. It's a crossover. <laughs> uh, anyway, you um, yes, you mentioned that I'd been away on holiday, and uh, you and Martin held the fort uh, splendidly last week. Thanks, Benji. That's one, one way of wording it. <laughs> We held the fort with gaffer tape. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and there was much mention of my being ill on the ferry across to Jersey. Indeed, indeed, yeah, yes. Was, Tell us about it. We've, we've all been waiting. <laughs> in great we've got, detail. We've got hundreds and hundreds of people just waiting for this moment to hear about the, the, the nitty gritty of your ailments. <laughs> And also hundreds of people listening thinking, please don't say anything about it, please. Okay, I'll try and be as delicate as possible. Um, it was very bad weather. The The crossing had been cancelled the day before because of the bad weather. They do that a lot, um, don't they? As yeah, well, don't they? yeah. And so we had to go, what was it? It was very, very early in the morning. We had to get up, you know, when it was still dark and drive to pool which is the port where the ferry was sailing from. The uh, crossing is four and a half hours. Apparently it's like, from Portsmouth, it's like 15 hours. <laughs> it's it's m- just, just it's ridiculous. It's crazy. That's a long time to be They must row. A- <laughs> <laughs> it's like a bunch of Vikings sort of going over in a longboat. No, anyway, grim. it was still, it, there are two things. It was still pretty rough. And the staff in our cabin kept going on about how rough it was, and they kept they because we were in Ocean Club, you know, oh, we paid fifty p more, and uh, they they said, you know, you can have breakfast, but it's going to be rough out there, <laughs> and it planted the seed of the thought, and so I'm blaming them because I think they made me sick by going on about how sick everyone was going to be. I'm very very suggestible. <laughs> the other thing was. When we hit the rough weather, I thought this isn't so bad because the the boat and they do bob about. They're huge, great things, but they really bob about. I think they're shallow draft, you know, to fit in the harbour in um, Jersey. That's my excuse. They've probably got huge keels and stabilisers. <laughs> anyway, they're crashing into the waves, but it was a kind of real thud. They, so they were smashing through the waves, and I was fine with that. 
I was brought up on boats, you see. You know, my father always had a boat. And uh, then they made an announcement. Oh, this is the captain. <laughs> and he said, uh, he said, we're turning to uh, get out of the rough weather or to lessen the effect of it. So what they did, essentially, I think they turned to port slightly and went behind some of the other Channel Islands eventually. And the they went with the motion of the rolling waves oh, no. which creates uh, you can't see this but it's this sort of circular throwing <laughs> forward motion and you keep and you rise up on these waves and then you go back down into the trough and then back out of them again oh. reversing it you know and that the moment the motion changed to that a little switch flicked inside me somewhere <laughs> and then i i didn't realize i'd been ill for quite so long you know but uh, steph my wife tells me that i'd been ill for I, I was i was being ill for about three hours wow that's a long time to, it was horrific and my i made my son ill as well but i don't think it was the motion i think it was just the ghastly noises i was making <laughs> that made him ill so yeah anyway on the way back it was dead calm oh that's so, all you want isn't it really it is, yeah. it is grim though it, it can be when it's stormy weather and it's shaking about it can it's that bobbing feeling i mean i'm i'm like you i'm, I'm quite good when it when it comes to to traveling i, I really enjoy it I think what gets me on on ferries is actually the boredom, but um, of of just sitting doing not a lot. So being ill is um, actually that takes up the time because you don't have. Yeah, I could have got through a lot of big finish work on that ferry, but instead I was just sitting there oh. with a bag in front of me, one of those little, you know. Was it a complimentary well, bag? Oh yeah, and there were stacks of them. I mean, as as if to make you feel ill, the moment you got on the boat, there were stacks of them in little sort of holders all round the ship. You know. Just just oh. masses of them and they were just producing them they, they obviously <laughs> i think they had a whole compartment just full of these things that they just go in there and drag them out but perhaps there's perhaps there's a deal that they've done they've said right if, if we suggestively say that people are going to feel sick and we we can just shift all these these free bags i don't know you should have taken <laughs> then, your joy and rides and the staff are all going around they've all got um you know plastic gloves on and holding oh. bin liners to pick up all the bags and they just very tactfully come along by your seat and say um anything for the bag <laughs> yes this <laughs> i mean you know to go into one more level of detail than probably a lot of you will want to know i had hardly eaten anything oh this is always so, worse you know what i mean it's a pain, so my body pain. wanted to be sick but yeah okay so it was it was horrific really because it was um yeah anyway sorry uh <clears throat> this is how a big finish podcast proceeds after all the vomiting references <laughs> nearly seconds away you'll be relieved to hear is something relevant the news all the latest from big finish is seriously exciting and after that it'll be time for the listeners emails and you can send us an email to big finish uh, no it was not a to <laughs> podcast at bigfinish.com and we will read them out and hopefully say stuff Yes, I was stuff. Doing, I was doing so well then. I was like, yeah, yeah. But, you know. <laughs> Just get the email address wrong. Send your emails to bling blang blong. <laughs> to gobbledygook.bigfinish.com. Wiggly woo. <laughs> and following that, then, it'll be time for our guest interview. And this week, we have got a rather special person, Nick. Well, they're always special. Who is it, Nick? 
Well, this week we delved back into an interview we teased you with a few podcasts back. It's that amazing composer, Blair Mowat. I must be careful to pronounce his name correctly because I know a person called Sarah Mowat and her name is spelt exactly the same. But she says Mowat, he says Mowat. The last time he appeared in the podcast, I had to go back afterwards and say the word <laughs> Mowat and then reinsert it. It was uh, You won't have noticed it. The editing was superb. Um, he's, he's worked on uh, the Doctor Who TV series for a while now. He's currently doing something terribly top secret, can't say what it is, and has provided us with a new version of the Torchwood theme, some superb incidental music for Torchwood, and has recently given us the super nostalgia-heavy version of the Doctor Who theme for Bernie's Summerfield and the Unbound Universe. Blair is generally brilliant and a lovely human being to boot. By that, I don't mean someone you can kick. I mean, he's just... I don't know what the phrase to boot means. I think we got it from that line from the first Doctor. And that's the, the thing, of the universe or whatever it is. You do yes. hear it, you know, to boot. The other one as well that I want to shout out to Tom Webster here, who who this week was was saying our designer, it, one of our many designers. Yes, he's the lovely cover artist, and he brought up a phrase as the crow flies. Oh yeah. What does that mean? Oh, that means directly. Does it? Yeah, yeah. So the as the crow flies, it's only three minutes. But if you drive, it'll take you 15 because the roads go all the way around. But if you were a crow flying directly from one place to another... Well, I never knew that. Well, that's changed my life now as the crow flies. Um, yeah, you see? This is it. This, this is just... Ask your, your elders and betters these questions. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Uncle uh, Nick. <laughs> And uh, uh, to boot is is uh, from the Middle English to boat, something added to addition. That's what it means. Okay, yeah. well, I can see that. My boyfriend is funny and a pretty good cook to boot. So it means additionally, yeah. Oh. And additionally, I thought it meant something much more complimentary than that. Just yeah, and additionally, you know, for certain or something. But it just means as well. Slightly. Well, I suppose it it almost sounds a bit Scottish, doesn't it? Like to boot a boot. Well, Middle English, they did speak it with that sort of way of speaking. Have you ever heard anyone speak Chaucer in the, the proper way? Not in the proper way. I've heard, oh, yeah, I've heard some, some fun attempts at Chaucer. <laughs> oh, yeah, I used to have an A-level English teacher who uh, really prided himself on being able to say it properly. He, he could have been messing it right up. I wouldn't have known the difference. <laughs> but yes, it was... Anyway, sorry, uh, moving on. Moving on, This is yes. going to be the longest podcast in history. Later on, following that, uh, we will have the ongoing omnibus of the changing world of the randomoid selectatron. As every week, somebody seems to top uh, the previous randomoid selectatron. Last week, we had a wonderful random number generator, and this week, we've got something even more special. Have you? What have you got? Yes, we have. So, uh, basically, uh, Hannah Newman... Uh, I was about to do Hannah Newman from so-and-so wrote in. But okay, Hannah so wrote right. in to basically tell us that she's whipped up a real randomoid selectatron for the podcast. And she has essentially made a rather fab little button which scours the Big Finish website at random and produces a uh, story of uh, its choosing. So we actually have a real randomoid selectrotron. There we go. It exists! It exists! It is real! Reality! And uh, as well as that, so once we get something from the randomoid selectrotron, we'll pay you a trailer and then chat about the production. And Nick might have an anecdote, if we're lucky... Or, if we're unlucky. 
Then it'll be time to tell you about our latest releases. And to finish things off, we'll be heading to the village, dodging Rover and telling people we are indeed not a number as we'll be beginning our epic serialisation of the first episode of our fantabulous audio reimagining of the classic 1960s series, The Prisoner. Beautifully done. Thank you very much. So now... The news. <laughs> Doing the. I noticed you didn't do the thing with Martin, did you? That's our thing, Nick. You were very. It's our thing. It's a little personal thing. Uh, right. Uh, to celebrate Torchwood's 10th anniversary in October, Big Finish are pleased to announce a new release. Torchwood, the Torchwood Archive, is a two-disc special release coming in October from Big Finish, celebrating 10 years of the massively popular Doctor Who spin-off by bringing together a host of familiar faces in a new adventure from writer and producer James Goss. The Torchwood Archive is a forgotten asteroid in the centre of a great war. Jeremiah is its first visitor in many centuries. He's come to learn something very important, and the ghosts of Torchwood are waiting for him. To, yeah, it's the owls back again. <laughs> <laughs> to quote producer writer James Goss, the Torchwood Archive is, I won't do an impersonation of James, it would just be too horrible, uh, is a celebration of 10 years of Torchwood. It features scenes with characters from the beginning of Torchwood to what may be its very end, from Queen Victoria to Jeremiah Bash Henderson. It's an excuse to gather together literally everyone we could get our hands on. Uh, it's an unusual release part anthology, part giddy epic, and mostly just a shameless excuse to hopefully make the fans ridiculously happy. Uh, here's the podtastically exclusive trailer. Ooh. Torchwood. Torchwood. Above the atmosphere, beyond the stars. Beyond the stars. Every century is when everything changes. Every everything changes. We will never be ready. never be ready. Never be ready. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, the Torchwood Archive. Welcome to Torchwood. Hey there, Captain Jack Harkness. What do you want? Ignore him. I am doing. Even artificial. He's completely impossible. Unique. This is a message for Captain Jack Harkness. This is a sort of, more or less, my confession. What could it be for, the way? Hmm? The what? Torchwood Object One. Useless bad luck charm. A silver locket my Aunt Faye wouldn't be seen dead in. This little silver thing, she brought it from another dimension to give to me. Have they ever really sat down to examine it, to understand its effects, to wonder what it really is? Do you really think that object is cursed? Maybe. And what's the worst that can happen? Well, sounds like you brought some company with you. A little, yeah. Tough day. No problem. Activate defense array. We need to find out what the committee are up to before we decide what action to take. The committee? <laughs> Wait, seriously? Oh, they've not been heard of for a while, have they? Most of the time, they work behind the scenes, nudging things along, waiting until things are right. I knew what was coming. I had to spare them. Absolutely no! Need... Open object one. <laughs> Goodbye, Torchwood. Big finish.
We love stories. The Tortured Archive is released this October, exclusive to Big Finish, and is available to pre-order from today. That is the 5th of September in the space year 2016. Yeah, and when's Rick Yates going to be in Tortured again? That's what I want to know. Hey, it's a good idea, good thought. You heard it here first, folks. (laughs) (laughs) That's it, I've just confirmed something that's not confirmed. No, um, yes. Nick James is listening to this, shaking his head very slowly. Thinking, oh, For goodness no. sake, no, don't give Briggs another job. <laughs> I think someone tried to put me in a Torchwood comic strip once, and Gary Russell said, yeah, we th- uh, I think Nick Briggs's head is big enough as it is. Oh, no, it would have been wonderful. <laughs> he doesn't know that I know that. Anyway, he was dobbed <laughs> in by the writer. It should happen, Nick. It should Who's happen. Tony Lee? There, I've dobbed him in now as well. <laughs> Is it? It's just going to be a, a series of people that are going to be cautioned in the next few days. <laughs> so, Tom Baker and Louise Jameson work again with top Doctor Who producer Philip Hinchcliffe in the 1970s Tea Time Anew for Doctor Who, The Genesis Chamber. The TARDIS has landed on a human colony world. In the city where the inhabitants rely on advanced technology to create their children, a marriage is due to take place. But not everyone supports it, and a crash might just prevent it for good. Inscape, our guide and friend, hear my plea. Save my children. Philip Hinchcliffe presents Doctor Who. The Genesis Chamber. Good morning, New King City. Today, we celebrate as President De Rosa Jans renews his pledge to uphold decency and citizenship in our beautiful colony. You brought these in here. Look at her. The girl's no better than a savage. What could be better than a savage? I'm sorry. That identity is not recognized. You are a threat to the colony. What are you, Doctor? Explain yourself. Have you been listening to me? Your village defenses wouldn't stop a current bun. Now get out of my way. I'm going to find Lena. Warning. All city systems are under attack. Please remain in your seats. Presidential override. Open up. Louio, stop it. We should never have come. through time and relative dimensions in space. You have no right, no right, no right! Doctor, your history is alarming. Starring Tom Baker and Louise Jameson as the Doctor and Leela, Philip Hinchcliffe presents Volume 2, The Genesis Chamber, is out from today on download and CD. Pre-release prices will be held for all Big Finish listeners until the end of October, at which point they go up to the general release price. The fourth Doctor will return in January for Doctor Who, The Beast of Kravenos, in the first of a sixth series of The Fourth Doctor Adventures. Watch this space for more news later in the year. More Torchwood news soon. (laughs) From early next year, there's a fresh run of the adventure for Torchwood teams. Yes, the way you said that, I had a meal in a a popular uh, chain uh, public house last night and there was something about the barmaid. Every time she asked you something, it sounded like an accusation. More Torchwood news! (laughs) And she said to me... uh, 
are you being served? You know, it's got, what? Anyway, sorry. Uh, starting back in September 2015, Big Finish's Torchwood range has proved hugely popular with loads of witty emotional scripts and familiar faces from this much-loved Doctor Who spin-off. And the news is, the range continues in March 2017 for six more stories. Are you being served? <laughs> the passive-aggressive BBC sitcom series. That's how they should have done it in that remake. Um, <laughs> the first release features the return of Neris Hughes as Reese's mum in Visiting Hours by David Llewellyn. Following that is The Doll's House by Juno Dawson, giving us a glimpse at the life in Torchwood, LA in the 1970s. Wow, fantastic. Lots of uh, large collars and lapels and flared trousers, I'm assuming. Producer James Goss assures us that the series regulars will also be kept busy with episodes featuring Yanto having a tough time Gwen on a road to nowhere and apparently someone finally dares to say no to Captain Jack duck for cover what I know also don't forget to check out some of our other Torchwood titles including Torchwood Outbreak in November and naturally the Torchwood Archive which we told you about just a few moments ago if you didn't we hear, did yes just yes. rewind it if you haven't heard it if you <laughs> skip that bit and keep an eye on the Big Finish website for more Torchwood news very soon. Oh, yes. Very special news indeed. I'll just um, uh, have another listen to the uh, Torchwood Outbreak trailer, if you haven't heard it already. As the Cardiff crisis continues, hospitals and ambulance crews are struggling to cope. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Jack Focus, 2009, Cardiff, Wales, Earth. I can't believe this. They're calling off the bloody city. You will not be warned again. Oh, this is bad. Really bad. You said you were from Torchwood. Might be. I need your help. I need to kill my wife. Torchwood? They're not a problem. I'm like Boudicca with a gun. Hang on in there, love. Because I'm coming to get you. Oh, it's happening again! Again? Get well soon, Jack. I'll kill you, Lord Fulgate! I will kill you! This stops now! Big Finish. We love stories. Reese, it's me. You okay? Exciting stuff. Very exciting stuff. Well... That was the news. It burst in like an elephant at a roller disco, and it <laughs> flew out like a bat. <laughs> and it flew out like a bat coming out of Sainsbury's car park. That was a wonderful noise. I was, it was mostly me waving my hands that probably convinced you. Probably when we listen to it, it'll just sound like someone squirting, washing <laughs> up liquids. Washing a car or something. <laughs> My famous car wash sound effect. <laughs> Will you wash that car, please, Doctor? Certainly. <laughs> Surely that's a bat you're using. Oh, yes. I'm getting all my stupid voices confused. Everyone's speaking like a bad impersonation of Tom Baker. <laughs> sort of something you'd see in Wurzel Gummidge, isn't it? Wurzel whips out a bat to wash the car, you know. Oh, yes, I'm Sally. Cup of tea, slice of cake, and clean my car with a bat. <laughs> And just as your heart rate has recovered from that tantalising bat impression, we've got more, more, more and more. Just a reminder that... St I'm still recovering from that, Benji. Just a reminder that still to come in this podcast, our guest interview with Torchwood and Doctor Who composer Blair Mowat, the Randomoid Selectatron, and the first instalment of our serialisation of The Prisoner... But now it's time for listeners' emails. 
first up, this one is from Jonathan Westall. Dear Nick Briggs and all that big finish, having been a fan of Doctor Who since its return to TV in 2005, I didn't get into the void that is Big Finish until 2013, when I bought two Eighth Doctor adventures from your stall at the 50th anniversary convention. I haven't stopped purchasing and enjoying your stories since. Your productions are always brilliant to listen to, and out of all the titles that I've purchased, there hasn't been a single story that I didn't enjoy, and I salute you for that. That was a great salute. <laughs> see, you get a lot of compliments from me when you're on here. You see, I just love these these impromptu sound effects. Anyway, back to the email. <laughs> My one question is this. Would you consider adapting new series novels such as Engines of War and Prisoner of the Daleks as audio dramas? I only ask because there are two of my favourite stories and I think they would sound great. From Jonathan Westall, P.S. I hope you read this as it would make me extremely happy indeed. So I will, I'll read it right to the end. Smiley face sent from my iPad. <laughs> I'm having terrible trouble with my earpiece here. It's really hurting. Is it uh, that really hurts? That really anyway. hurts. Are you, are you wearing the? You've, yeah, you've got the iPod ones Pod. underneath your your cans. Yeah. yeah, that that is a recipe for pain. It is. I, it didn't happen last time. I've, I've reached the pain threshold. Um, anyway, Jonathan, thank you for writing in, and I hope we've made you happy by sending by, by reading this out. Um, and you fell into our trap. That's exactly why we went to the 50th anniversary convention at um, the XL in London. It was fantastic, um, that one, actually. It was so That was a lovely one because, in some respects, there, there were so many people there for, for, for new Doctor Who that we got to meet so many people that didn't know, like yourself, they didn't know we actually existed. That was, it was, that was something special. That was something special. Yes. You have, of course, uh, Jonathan, caused a branding crisis at BBC Worldwide by calling it a convention. I don't think they, I don't think they <laughs> called it a convention. It was a festival. <coughs> no, it was a celebration, that one, wasn't it? I think you went to the festival. I went to the festival, a, yes, a so I did. A year later, yeah. You're right. Oh, just, just Which I... was similar, except slightly smaller. The celebration was enormous. But yeah, you weren't allowed to call it a convention. It was a celebration. Uh, but but now, Jonathan, you've changed all that. Uh, right, with, to your question, Engines of War and Prison of the Daleks, it may not have escaped your attention that I actually recorded audiobooks of those for... Uh, for Audio Go, I think it was still Audio Go. Maybe Engines of War was done for BBC Audio. I can't remember. But anyway, but they're the same people with a different name. Um, and uh, so they've already been released on audio. And we've, you know, got our own plans for, you know, the 10th Doctor going forward and also the War Doctor, hopefully. So uh, actually adapting the novels with those characters, uh, brilliant though they are, um, was probably not really... That's not something we're looking at doing at all, but I would never rule it out. I mean, Engines of War... I particularly enjoyed reading. Oh, I enjoyed Prisoner of the Daleks. That was ages ago, wasn't it? I was going to say, Prisoner of the Daleks was, by... was an old school, quite a long yeah. time ago. Great one, though, that one. Yeah, yeah. And I, that was fun to do because I was doing a David Tennant voice during that. that was, I hope he's never heard it. <laughs> I've no, I don't think I've ever mentioned it to him. <laughs> um, <laughs> Engines of War by George Mann, you know, the war doctor. That that actually, I said to George in an email that that um, he got me. There was a bit where a major character dies. And as I was reading it, I mean, I'd read it and prepared it and everything. But as I got to that point, I I blubbed. It suddenly caught me and I just went, 
he wrote the death very movingly i thought anyway so yeah sorry to disappoint there um oh you've you've got uh, another email to read benji i know why because there's a huge one coming out that i'm gonna read yeah i was gonna well i was gonna say that that's it's appropriate for you to read the huge one i think when you when you get round to it you'll know why so i'm taking nick's second email here and this one's from a chap called Andrew R. R like the pirate? Who knows? Andrew R. Hi all. I have only recently started listening to Jago and Lightfoot, and it has quickly become one of my favourite ranges. I now own the first eight series thanks to the recent World of Big Finish sale, and am currently enjoying series four. I noticed that series 12 is due out soon, but unusually there are no details regarding future series beyond that. Can you please reassure me that the series is set to continue? Keep up the amazing work, Andrew R. Sent from his iPad. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit of advertising there. I'm I'm hoping for a huge check from Apple for mentioning that. That would be nice, wouldn't it? That would be very nice. Oh, hold on, they've got to pay £19 billion or dollars worth of tax. (laughs) Anyway, or maybe not. That's that's what they just announced on the news. Anyway, um... Yes, uh, I can't. Uh, I mean, you know, isn't twelve series enough? So I think it's the longest thing we've ever done. Um, I, I think, I think there's probably going to be some more, but you know, can't can't say anything for definite at the moment. Shh, shh. Okay, this next amazing email is from Shane Dumphy. I hope I got that right, Shane. I think it's D U N P H Y. Shane's a writer, by the way. Um, dear Nick and the team. I listened to volume one of The Prisoner last week and wish to report that I was totally enthralled from the beginning to end. Mark Elstop was wonderful as number six. He managed to bring layers of complexity to the performance, being in turns tough, threatening, stubborn, resourceful and yet still vulnerable. I'm sure that these aspects of number six were there in the original, yet as a child watching the series on late night TV here in Ireland on the old black and white television my brother had in our bedroom growing up, I always thought of McGowan's Prisoner as a man who was totally invulnerable to harm it's interesting i'll stop just there because um i've had so many comments about the way mark elstop played number six all of them complimentary and they're really split down the middle some of them think that we made him too harsh in in the uh, the audio reimagining and someone some of them the opposite they thought oh he's not harsh enough he's got too too many facets and he was much more single-minded in the series it's really interesting interesting to me anyway oh so it is <laughs> I noticed benji's fallen asleep but, uh, <laughs> no, it is i think it's it, it's funny isn't it how characters have that effect that you can interpret them in different ways not completely different ways but there's so many different layers especially I mean, with Patrick McGowan's character originally, he gave a fantastic performance. And so I, I think personally it's, it's been carried on phenomenally. Yeah. But, but, you know... Everybody. I mean, I, I really think that Mark was the right person to do it. Um, he really studied McGowan's performance, not to impersonate it, but just to get a flavour of it. And the thing that he said to me that I can't actually repeat... Um, without editing slightly he said you know he said my god McGowan didn't give a fiddler's um uh, in the sense that uh, not that he didn't care about the parts because as mark and i know that you know and everyone knows he he, uh, McGowan cared passionately about the role but he he made no um there was no compromise he took no prisoners in the way he did it oh i (laughs) I didn't even realize i was doing that you know what i mean it's really it's 
it's harsh and it's almost like he doesn't care what the audience thinks which gives it and he's so compelling in spite of his complete lack of um charm i think he has a different kind of charm and charisma about him yeah he's very compelling anyway uh shane goes on the various actors who played number two all contributed something different but michael cochran's aged yet still completely chilling and not a little insane late arrival was i think my favorite Anyway, well done to everyone involved. The Prisoner has always held a special place in my heart and your audio reimagining brought me right back to my childhood while still being fresh and new. Oh, and I found your beautiful village, which is the original episode I wrote, truly creepy and not a little disturbing. Good work. Roll on volume two. I'm doing it now! I've just been sent a fourth Doctor script I have to read. Uh, in the spirit of this, I thought I'd share my Patrick McGowan story with you. I must admit my heart sang when I started to read this uh, and, and continued throughout. I think you'll know what's coming, but it's a good story. Uh, in the March of 2004, my daughter Marnie and I had gone to the cinema in Wexford, which is an old seaside town in the southeast of Ireland, to see The Return of the King, the final instalment of Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy. We had pre-booked tickets, and when I bought them, I thought my wife was going to be joining us, but life stepped in, as it does, and she was unable to come along. So there was an empty seat at the end of our row, which she should have occupied. About 15 minutes into the movie, a mature gentleman made his way down the aisle and asked me in hushed tones if the seat beside me was taken. I assured him it was available and thanking me courteously, he sat down and the film rolled on. In Ireland, the Lord of the Rings films were divided by an intermission to allow people to use the facilities and purchase more popcorn. When the lights came up, I stood to go to the concession stand to get a drink for my daughter, and passing the man now ensconced beside me, I was sure I recognised him. He had a full head of thick grey hair, had a well-groomed beard, and the most piercing eyes. I remember he was wearing a purple cardigan over a mustard shirt and dark jeans. He looked so familiar! My daughter was six at the time and had become quite bored with the film. And when we got back, she was rather loudly proclaiming her unhappiness with this latest entry in the franchise. And the gentleman offered his agreement, telling her he felt the plot was rather plodding along and that he was not enjoying the computer effects, which he said were soulless. I'm Pat, he introduced himself, shaking hands with us both. At this point, I told him I was sure I knew him and asked him if he lived locally. His voice was not quite accentless, but had shades of English and Irish in there. He laughed and said no. He was doing some work nearby and had a few hours off, so decided to go for a drive and catch a film. When I asked him what he did for a living, he said, almost apologetically, that he was involved in the film business. And then the penny dropped. And I'm pretty sure my mouth dropped open and I became a gibbering fanboy almost immediately. My daughter, of course, has no idea who he was and sat politely as he told her he had been rather famous many years ago, being involved with a couple of television programmes that had been liked by a lot of people. I can tell you he was friendly, funny, self-effacing, warm and patiently answered all my questions about his time on The Prisoner, which I asked when I got my voice back. And I grilled him about Hell Drivers too, that's a great film now, uh, which has always been a favourite of mine. 
The lights went back down, much to my disappointment, and the film resumed. When it was over, he walked us through the lobby, asking my daughter what movies she liked best. She was watching Shrek, more or less, on a loop at the time, and he listened very attentively while she told him all about it and did her impression of the ogre in question. And he smilingly told her that was a film where they had got the CGI just right, then shook our hands again and bid us farewell. I scanned the car park for a lotus, but the great man strolled off in the direction of the waterfront, still tall and broad-shouldered, and forever now enshrined in my memory as a genuinely lovely person who, despite being then a living legend, was totally unaffected and had been happy to sit in a rather scruffy cinema in a small town in Ireland and chat about cartoons with a six-year-old who told me later she thought he was a nice old granddad. That's my story. Thanks again for the amazing work you all do. Very best wishes, Shane Dunphy. Shane, that was brilliant. And, and you know, with a bit of editing, I almost read it out quite well. Well, I, I sat here then, like, because uh, when, when it came through, I thought I'm going to deliberately not read this story because I, I wanted to hear it being read to me by, by Nick because that sounded that sounds a bit creepy. Didn't mean it that way. <laughs> but I sat, I sat here Would wonderfully like listening. It felt, it felt like when you're being told a story as a kid, it was just such a lovely, heartwarming story it's lovely was, honestly it? thank you so much for sharing that with us yeah it's brilliant and i, I want to know what you know you asked him about the prisoner shane i want to know <laughs> what you asked him and what he said so please write again i actually contacted shane on facebook after this because shane had posted a couple of times on my official facebook page as well uh i said shane you must write again and tell us he hasn't got back to me shane i'm on the edge of my seat <laughs> no, i'm falling off he's, he's actually he actually <laughs> nearly fell off his seat there that was so tremendous method. So method. On to you, Benji. Well, that was wonderful, but thank you very much. And uh, now a final quickie here from uh, a chap who sounds like a notorious downtown gangster. It's <laughs> Big L, a uh, boss. Uh, or uh, Alex Pass, which we believe is his actual real name. So, from Big L, age old enough to know better... I've been a massive Big Finish fan since those early cassette tape days, and although I love pretty much everything you peeps do, I must say that I'm really enjoying the latest New Who releases. I love being a peep. Um, especially the 10th Doctor set and classic Doctor's new Monsters. Good to hear that there's going to be a Monsters Volume 2. Will any other classic Doctors feature? Maybe an early adventure special? Doctor 1 meets the Jadoon whilst Doctor Who encounters... Doctor Who? Whilst Doctor 2 encounters the Vashta Narada in a base under sea story of course uh, also i think there's been a lot of talk about big finish vouchers recently but i probably need something more like a big finish loan or a big finish credit slate p.s <laughs> any update on fjord of the daleks is that right fjord yeah fjord yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. answer <laughs> and then go the fjords. to <laughs> that's a monty python reference um Fjord of the Daleks, uh, uh, Aaron J. Klimas, I think, sent in a bit of artwork for Norway of the Daleks. Yeah, because uh, along, you know, as a, as um, an addition to his uh, the baked beans, big finish. The, the chronicles of, of the big, the big finish gobbledygook podcast ideas in which every week we come up with something ridiculous. <laughs> Um, I don't know about the. Uh, I can't say anything about the um, the next classic Doctor's thing. 
but I'm glad you liked them, Al. I feel like I should give more of a fulsome answer to Al, otherwise he'll be, he'll be, he'll be round with a violin case. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, don't play me that violin. That's a reference to the gangsters of New York. <clears throat> oh, it was Chicago, was it? I don't know. That's a, a broad reference to the gangsters. It's a broad reference to any gangsters out there. <laughs> I don't think they carry violin cases with machine guns in it's, anymore. It's actually it? a broad reference to the Play for Today uh, serial The Gangsters, starring Maurice Colburn. <laughs> oh, I think he just pronounced it Maurice, not Maurice. He wasn't French or anything. <laughs> Maurice Colburn. I think he would have punched you in the it's, face it's if he heard better you call him Maurice. Maurice. It looks more like Maurice than, a, than a Morris. It's Morris, mate. Morris. Uh, Morris, Morris. There again. Well, I mean, maybe he is. Mar- maybe he was a Maurice. Have you watched Gangsters? By the way, <laughs> I have. Yeah, it's quite uh, good actually. It goes crazy in the second series, doesn't it? It's one. Absolutely it's one of those things crazy. where I just it, it popped on, and I, and I was sort of, you know, I was going through the the play for today's, and then I suddenly was like, oh, it's Lytton. and <laughs> and in, and instantly within seconds, my attention had gone from a, a sort of. 20% uh, slightly, you know, checking my phone to, to a, a fair 95% this is great. Yeah. yeah. It's jolly good stuff, actually. That was written by Philip Martin. He created it. Yeah, that was his sort of uh, big thing. And then, so then he ended up writing for Doctor Who as well. Created Sill. So was it from, from uh, the play for today that they gave him the, the attention to go on to, to do some Doctor Who then? Well, sort of, yeah. That's where he'd really made his name. It was really trailblazing because of the, you know, ethnicity of the actors. Uh, yeah, so it was it was a real big deal, actually. Uh, I remember watching it when it was first on, because, of course, I'm ancient, uh, because it had lots of saucy bits in it. Mm. You know, when you're that sort of teenager. You, you'd like a bit of how's your father? <laughs> And it was on at 9.25, which was like after the BBC News, which was on at nine o'clock in those days. Well, and, uh, it's hard, yeah, hard so it was a real stuff. Sort of, yeah, yeah. You know, you sneakily watch it on your portable television upstairs. And that was played for today. So if, if you're watching from across the oceans, uh, play for today was like a, it was like a BBC sort of single serialisation thing where they would they would essentially anthology and thought yeah uh, it was a play they, they were proper they weren't films they were they were television plays uh, one-off things and then from from that gangsters spun off into two series and that would sometimes happen with play for today things so they did it a lot like scum scum i believe was a was a one-off and that it was that, a play for today and then that they made it into a movie yeah yeah excellent stuff that was ray winston's big break and um what's his name that was in quadrophenia um, Phil Daniels. All right, part life. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll get rudely interrupted by the dustman. Anyway, enough of these pleasantries. It's time now for our guest. Yeah, you're slipping into the 1990s. What's going on? You're you're out of your comfort zone. Sorry, I interrupted your beautiful reading of the next link. That's all right. It's it's, it's always worth it for for a bit of bit of Phil Daniels banter. <laughs> Time now for our guest interview spot, and this week it's Blair Mowat. Nick, take it away. Again! Yes, Blair Mowat again. A couple of weeks ago, we featured a short extract from the podcast recording by Big Finish Torchwood composer Blair Mowat and Big Finish producer James Goss. Time now for more, and frankly, you can never have enough of Blair in a podcast, I say. 
Here, he's going into more detail about his version of the Doctor Who theme for Bernie Summerfield, The Unbound Universe. What you've done, it's not a, um, a modern synthesizer version of the theme. This is following on from the Radiophonic Workshop's fine tradition of hitting weird things. There are very few synthesized elements really a lot of it is very organic it's things plucked it's things hit um everything has been altered in weird ways mainly pitch shifting um speeding up slowing down a lot of the stuff that delia did but just done in a different way using in the main using more sort of modern software which actually makes it a lot easier if, if delia had seen the how quickly you could do some of the things that she was trying to do i mean you know she she would have pulled out <laughs> less hair when she was originally doing it it's amazing what we can do now and you know there's there's the famous story of delia derbyshire uh having tape loops that were so long they went all the way down the corridor round the tap and the ladies loomed back uh, yeah mm-hmm. and she had to line them up um to make sure that they were gonna um be in time when she played it all back yeah in in your version, what is the equivalent of the the enormous fiddle? What's the fiddliest thing you've had to put into this? Oh god, the whole thing's been an absolute nightmare. Um, probably, in some ways, not very interesting. But the mix itself, because there's so many elements in there. I mean, I don't know how many tracks there are. It's probably like 150 or something. Because there's so many tiny little bits of elements and different. Um, instruments crossing over with different types of effects on them and stuff. The mix itself was just a nightmare to get everything to sit absolutely perfectly. And the first few versions that I did of it, um, I wasn't really happy with it at all, but I did, did manage to get there in the end. Um, but I think having said that it's a lot easier now to speed things up and slow things down, it still takes a long time to export that into a different program get it the sounding the right way, putting it back in, keeping a log of all the files and stuff. It's still still hard work. It's just a bit easier to manage now. And let's talk about some of the individual elements, uh, just because there are a whole lot of weird things. So, apparently, you breathe in this. There is, uh, there is, there is a bit of me, me breathing. I sort of like, ah, sort of thing, which is then altered through various, through various stuff um, in the tradition of keeping it organic. Because didn't Peter Howell, isn't some of Peter Howell's version of the theme sung? Um, yes, Peter Howell used a vocoder for some of his, uh, and, for some of his theme. And there's, there's also, uh, I've, I've got on my list... Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, white noise. Yeah, I mean, Delia used a lot of uh, filtered white noise to try and get the kind of that sort of type stuff and things like that. Um, so I used a bunch of um, white noise samples, or basically just block white noise, and then did loads of weird filtery, timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly stuff to them. So basically it's taking weird things and turning them into instruments. Um, yeah. Moving on, let's talk about the highlight instrument of this, the glass harmonica, which clearly Delia would have loved to have got her hands on, uh, yep. and you finally have. What is a glass harmonica? A glass harmonica sounds a little bit like 
uh, wine glasses with somebody's finger going around them. Uh, they, it's a sort of weird cylindrical um, device made out of weird glass cones with water and, and you sort of play it with your fingers. And that was uh, a key part of Music Concrete. All the structures, sonores, or you see these. Yeah. Are, these are all words that Doctor Who fans know but don't understand. Yeah, um, the structure sonores used all all kind of weird um, metal and, and glass things, and so this was a natural choice uh, for doing the main theme on. The problem is, is you cannot recreate the Doctor Who theme because it's so there's so much glissandi in the Doctor Who theme. Uh, it bends so much that you need to artificially pitch shift those glass tones um, because you can't achieve that naturally just performing it in real life and uh, so the whole version of the melody is it the melody yeah most of the melody a lot of the melody is made out of glass harmonica or various other glass-esque instruments sort of doubled up in each other but glass harmonica is definitely the main one and and i'll play you the uh i'll play you this which is the whole um, melody just on the glass harmonica and its various glassy friends. just think sounds lovely and it's it, it also works at this really strange level where about six seconds in you just go oh um and i wish i knew what it, it's almost like there are hidden notes in there yeah i mean it's like it sort of vibrates through you a little bit doesn't it it it, it sets off something sort of it's quite guttural sort of inside you especially if you play at a decent a decent volume in your headphones what other glass things are in there well, I mean, the other glass instrument that plays the melody is called a euphone, uh, which I think gives a similar sort of timbre to the glass harmonica, but it, but it is subtly different. I mean, people can look it up on on YouTube and and see it see it there in the various ways that it can sound. Um, but apart from that, there was um, hit cups, glasses, wine glasses, um, single string guitars. Um, piano strings plucked at the bottom with plectrums. So like uh, the original TARDIS dematerialization noise, but... I didn't use my house key or, or reverse it, but, but, but yeah, yeah, that, I was kind of doing it all in the, same, in the same vein as that, really. And there's also a really strange effect that you've overlaid on top of the theme. Yes, so there is a very strange filter, stuttery filter, that I put on the, th the whole thing and then created that basically as a separate track and then laid on top of it. And that moves, it gives almost the appearance of the track slowing down or speeding up a little bit like, and actually you said this, um, the dematerialization uh, noise of the TARDIS. It has a similar kind of wheezy kind of effect. And that runs sort of over the top of it, giving 
giving it a very strange feeling really that it's kind of constantly evolving and changing which is in sync with this whole idea of it of it all being organic and everything constantly constantly moving one of the things i like about it it's almost like a broken version of the theme in the Mm. modern versions of the theme are very much they're controlled and they're regimented but Mm. especially when your version of the theme is ending you're kind of listening to it going it's never going to stop it's all yeah it's all falling apart isn't it um well the doctor who theme is very weird and you're never going to beat it i mean when you start to do a new version of the doctor who theme you've already failed because (laughs) the original is uh is the best. Um, it's, there's something timeless and magical about it. So if you're going to try and replicate any of that kind of thing, you might as well make it weirder um, because you're never going to achieve the, the beautiful simplicity and also the nostalgia that we as fans of Doctor Who attach to those sonorities when we hear them. There's an emotional response that you're never going to create on the first listen to something that I've done. Um, so immediately, as soon as you hear it, you're going to think, well, that sounds wrong or that's rubbish, and then you hear it a few more times, you might think, well, you know, there's something in there (laughs) that salvages it, um, or that's interesting. Um, So, yeah. And finally... Do you want to talk about the hidden note that you've discovered in Delia's version of the Doctor Who theme? Oh, yeah, the hidden... Uh, I mean, it, people have identified before doing extensive online research that the Doctor Who baseline is very harmonically rich. And this, nobody quite knows. Everybody's debated about what exactly was it that created that baseline. I think it was Dick Mills who he's actually um, been reported in two different articles over time as having said one of it he said it was like the back of um it was like the back of a little sort of metal wedge rack thing which was then sort of flicked or, or plucked uh, and then there's one time he said that it was this sort of one string sort of guitar type thing that she that she plucked so even he can't quite make his mind up as to what exactly it was as far as as far as I can tell I suspect it was a guitar type thing that may have been a sort of makeshift um, strung device, which then the string hitting the edges of whatever it was attached to created these extra bits of sort of harmonic resonance, which made it when sped up or slowed down, have this weird, almost like sort of harmonic saturation. Anyway, um, if anyone's actually still listening. Um, the, Get on to the secret note. The secret notes. This is like the Da Vinci Code. I know, the secret notes. So, the Doctor Who theme uh, is written in E minor. Uh, the, there's a note, basically a harmonic, within that bass line, which um, hits a G sharp on quite a frequent basis. Now, G sharp is in E major, but it's not in E minor. And it's really weird if you use, you get software now these days, which has been developed in the last five years, you can go in and you can take out certain notes polyphonically. You can split a whole thing up and take out certain notes. You can delete those notes and you can hear that G sharp at the top by itself. And you go, whoa, that's really weird. And then you can also take away the G sharp, but leave the E beneath it. So you don't have the harmonics on it there anymore. 
and and you miss it you wouldn't know it was there but if you take it away you do actually miss it so the doctor who bass line is incredibly harmonically rich and it has weird um tonalities in it which um make it sound as interesting as it does and when doing my bass line i deliberately used some pieces of software to harmonically enrich certain notes the same ones that give that baseline the darkness and the complexity that we all love i did my best to try and recreate some of that by going in and doing my own version of the sort of harmonic saturation and for viewers listening at home can you play them a g sharp please sure um so i can play you an e down here uh, and then if i play the g sharp on top of it that's the uh, the note that is barely there but if you take it away it really does make a difference. And actually, you can probably hear more, you probably hear it more pronounced in my version um, than you can in the original. Um, and it's just cool because it's weird and it's not meant to be there. And uh, we like things that aren't meant to be there because they're interesting. And, th and then people can have, you know, enormous fun out of this podcast slash special feature going off uh, to hunt down the G-sharp in the Delia version of the theme. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Report back. There's a small prize available. What's the prize? Another G-sharp. It's a poor prize. It's a very poor prize. <laughs> yep. So, play them out. Thank you very much for your time. You're welcome. You're very welcome. That was the lovely Blair Mowat and James Goss. Not that James Goss isn't lovely. Or is he? Or isn't he? Or what am I going on about? <laughs> and now it is that time, that time again for the Randomoid Selectatron. The Randomoid Selectatron! And the... Doctor! <laughs> you will not survive the Randomoid Selectatron! No! Not the randomized selectotron. And that's where, like, John Purdy, where you go slightly cross-eyed and... <laughs> no. have a bit of Carrie Blyton music. <laughs> I've gone mad. Stop, don't move. <laughs> Death to the Daleks. Every time. Ah. This is the end of episode three, isn't it? It is indeed. This is the best cliffhanger of all time. Never intended. Stop, don't move. Yeah, no, never yeah. intended. There's yeah. a bit of, bit of floor <laughs> paving. Don't... Look at it. I, I, it's very frightening. I blame Doctor Who for my irrational fear of checkerboard floors now. And the, the funniest thing is occasionally you will go somewhere like a hotel and you'll enter the lobby and you will see like a, a red and sort of white checkerboard floor. And there's that slight, slight moment of, right, well... Am I going to get electrocuted? Do I do I yeah. do I jump over this? Alert! Alert! Excessive electrical charge received. Oh, look at that! Superb, superb. Yeah. Or do we do a hopscotch over it? Or yes. do I whip out my book Ooh. and try and work out the uh, ratio of the circumference of a circle? 
uh, from five the five doctors. So it's it's a very confusing thing out there. I'm sure um, it's as easy as pie. <laughs> my my girl, it's as easy as pie. Um, Tegan's mathematics skills there are superb. But um, three point one four. I used to remember, I was thinking this the other day, I used to, growing up, I used to remember that really well, and I used to be able to quote that whole thing, and I remember feeling really cool at school, as you do when you, you know, you, you say to your friends, yeah, but you know the ratio of the circumference of a circle, but, um, yeah, I've got it all now. But, it's gone, it's gone. But anybody out there who does but, suffer from uh, a fear of checkerboard flaws... Um, stop, don't move. Stop, please. Yeah, stop. Don't move. Seriously, it's dangerous. I want, I want, one day I want to be with you when in a situation like that and we walk into a corridor and you suddenly go, stop, don't move. <laughs> Spilling and coffee. you and I will be the only people who will find it amusing. And, and then about sort of two hours later, uh, when everybody's coming back from wherever we were meant to go, they'll st- see us still standing there <laughs> trying to wonder... <laughs> Not progressing any further because we'll, no, want, we'll be too I worried. I want to get to a sonic screwdriver that goes, and and I'll have a massive coin in my pocket as well. <laughs> yes, tilt. Good, lots of lots of death to the Daleks references there. Yummy death to the Daleks. Uh, yeah, wonderful stuff. Come on, so, come on. So anyway. <laughs> Who was it who sent in the randomoid selectron? But Hannah. That was Hannah Newman. Thank you, Hannah. You're brilliant. Now the thing is that the Big Finish website isn't perfect. I hear lots of guffawing in the background now, um, and so there are some pages which are uh, which have been killed off over the years, but they they exist as sort of random nothing so sometimes the randomoid selectatron selects those which sue cowley and i both had the same experience when we first pressed this new randomoid selectatron we got the sorry this page is no longer available <laughs> but uh, uh, you know it's because it really selects from every single uh, pe- product page whether, I got a whether book in as existence well. or now gone <laughs> ghosts in the machine so to speak okay hit it <laughs> hit it and we have got <laughs> that was painfully harsh that hitting yeah well i'm a painfully harsh kind of guy uh we've got release number 75 scaredy cat oh my giddy right back things. into the archives there oh. i know nothing about this story at all it's i know it's by will um schindler isn't it yes it is who um i knew for a while i haven't had any contact with with will schindler for ever now um will used to be uh, he was very friendly with uh, rob shearman and that's how i got to know him because of course rob is one of my best friends if not my best friend i don't know how to categorize these things he was certainly my best man not will schindler i didn't even invite him to the wedding um <laughs> so, so in your face so will there's no chance will schindler's listening to this podcast i never liked him no it's not true it's not true um yeah so it's directed by Nigel the, Fares. The, while I'm thinking about it, is the trailer. How do things begin? With a word? An action? A decision? I mean, in the beginning, there was what? So, Gareth, what do you think? 
not much. This is the doctor's pride and joy. A garden? What the hell's that? Security alarm. Something's either broken in or out of the restricted area, and frankly, neither option bears thinking about. Two planets. Yes, the one on the left is called Kaludar. The one on the right is its sister world, Endara. According to legend, the Kaludari made a pledge several millennia ago never to set foot on Endara. Why? They almost destroyed themselves. There must have been something. And what was that something? Did it come preloaded with good and evil and all points in between? Or did that come later? You see, starting points are important. Great levelers. No one has an advantage. Because no one knows what's going to happen next. There you are. That's the trailer for Scaredy Cat. Yeah, never read it. Never listened to it. Don't know anything about it. All I can tell you is that Will, uh, I think he's a sports journalist now, but he was a writer of some note. And he was the script editor on... um, the Bill, ah. which was a series on British television that went on for many, many years uh, about the policeman, the old Bill. Uh, um, that's where it comes from. Cockney rhyming slang or something, is it? What's I believe it is, yeah. The old Bill. Yeah, the old Bill. But it doesn't rhyme with anything. There must be something rude in there. I, I think it's... Uh, it does Cockney rhyming slang... I suppose it's Cockney rhyming slang, but you, I suppose it, just it Cockney, you, you know, like the old, the old Bill... There must be something after it that da, 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 rhymes with police or something. It's probably something awful. I want to find this out. Origins. Okay, well, anyway, he was the script editor. I'm not going to tell you anything about Scaredy Cat because I don't know about it, but do uh, I do recommend it, obviously. <laughs> um, it's a Paul McGann adventure with India Fisher and Conrad Westmass playing Charlie and Kerry's, respectively. We never quite worked out how to pronounce Kerry's. Um, because Gary Russell, who was the producer then, used to say, it's it's not Kerry's, it's Kerry's. It rhymes with berries. I said, oh, so it's Kerry's. He said, no, no, it rhymes <laughs> with berries. I said, well, that is berries, Kerry's. No, it's Kerry's. 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 Because I've heard people Kerry's. as well, I've heard people say All the people from this well. planet were called Putang and Putang. Putang. Um, anyway, it had Rosalind Blessed in it, who I believe is uh, the daughter of Brian Blessed. I'm pretty certain she is. Uh, and a very nice lady she is too. I've met her. Um, she's done theatre with people I know. And also Arthur Bostrom, who was in um, Hello, Hello, the sitcom, you know, set in occupied France. That hilarious time for the French. Uh, <laughs> where, when they were occupied by the Nazis and the British television decided to make a comedy about it. But well done. Yeah, Arthur Bostrom played... Um, he was... Uh, what, he was always trying... He was French, but trying to speak English. And so the way... Oh, the, um, he, the police... He had all the, the vowel sounds the, wrong. Wasn't yeah, he, he was the, policeman. the policeman? Yes. The Good Mooning. Good Mooning, yes. Good, was, was he the policeman in it? I'm pretty certain he was. Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah no, you are yeah. right. Yeah, good morning. Yes. He and he w- said all sorts of, all manner of hilarious things. I'm not a huge fan of Hello, Hello. That Officer probably... Crabtree. Sorry. Oh, there you go. There you go. I do remember something about, I think he was, oh no, that was someone else from Hello, Hello. It was in another episode who was massive, like a week late for the recording. That wasn't Arthur Bostrom. <laughs> so, um, 
uh, directed by uh, Nigel Fares, the lovely, wonderful Nigel Fares. Um, uh, yes, yeah, so back to Will Schindler. He was script editor on The Bill, and uh, I got very close to writing an episode of The Bill. The only thing that stopped me is that I realised that I really didn't want to do it. But Will was very nice to me, and we had a couple of meetings, and um, he'd heard other things, because I'd written for a soap opera called Family Affairs. And uh, he told me that he'd had good reports from them, which I'm very surprised about because I hated that as well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I really liked the bill, but I suddenly realised I just didn't have the wherewithal to. Well, to, I just wasn't interested. Isn't that awful? Well, that I, th- awful? I think everybody has their their favourite. I'm going to say it. You know, their favourite uh, emergency services program. Really, don't they? You got the, the bill, uh, <laughs> casualty. Doctor Who. No, oh, sorry. <laughs> London's burning. Hand of fear, um, you know. Uh. This is well, doc, yeah. Doc, the doc, Doctor Who. He, he actually manages fires. Uh, he goes to accidents and emergency wards, and uh, also beats up gangsters. Actually, <laughs> actually, interjecting here. Um, interjecting yourself. Interjecting myself here. I'm, I basically talk to myself all day. Um, <laughs> we're very polite. Um, uh, I've actually got here uh, what old Bill, the old Bill means. The oh, Bill. Here we go. Yeah, so, go old Bill was King William the Fourth, whose constables were an early form of the police. It is often said erroneously that he was on the throne when the police were founded. Actually, he did not succeed George the Fourth until eighteen. This is boring, but basically, he was uh, <laughs> William, <laughs> King William the Fourth was I Old know? Bill, and because of that, we call them the Old Bill. Um, oh. yeah. Even though he didn't create the police. Well, this is this is what the Metropolitan Police website says. Well, they must be right. <laughs> They're wonderful. Don't disagree with them, here. otherwise they're. Oi! Right, I've come to fill your collar. <laughs> I've heard you've oh, been uh, sending false rumours, sir, about the uh, the origins of the title, Old Bill. Total policing, like that tagline. We should website. ask Andrew Smith, who was, of course, a high-ranking anti-terrorism police officer. In yeah. fact, yes, I think we should do that. Sworn to secrecy about so many things that I love bringing up top secret things in front of Andrew. Because he just goes completely quiet. <laughs> literally can't get him to bat an eyelid. Very good man. Perhaps this is a top secret. Perhaps, perhaps you know, the, the origin of the phrase Old Bill is actually a, uh, a closely guarded secret in the forces. I do applaud Will Schindler for having the first um, word of his uh, synopsis for Scaredy Cat is Yarana! <laughs> <laughs> Love it. It means literally the soul of the vengeful. Does it, though? Does it really? Sorry, sorry there's a very loud aeroplane going overhead. Uh, my wife has gone out and locked the windows open, and I can't find the key. So I'm <laughs> subjected to all outside noises while sitting here in my little room. Anyway, there you are. There was my very poor recommendation for Scaredy Cat, but I'm sure I've whetted your appetites. So go and have a listen to it. Well, there we go. It was all part of the Divergent Universe where the Doctor, Charlie and Berries went uh, into a different universe uh, where there was no time or something. Or, I don't know, or or whatever Gary had decided that week. I'm not sure. But anyway, uh, very very different time before the new series had been announced. Indeed, it was October 2005 that this was was released, I, I, I believe. Oh, right. So yeah, it had, October it had been, I was say. It, would it have was been out. out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, sorry. It was being made before the new series was announced. That's, that's the... 
short on the tall of it. And apparently a, a random fact for you here that I found on the internet. The TARDIS gardens were designed by the Doctor using block transfer computation. From the, really? Yeah, yeah. What's that of, what, is that in Scaredy Cat? Yeah, apparently so. I don't, I don't know why I wanted to read that out. I just just like I like the phrase block transfer computation from Legopolis. So I just wanted to put that in there. It's always worth mentioning. It is. I mean, it's, it's a daily part of life, really. Right, that was the Randomoid Selectatron <laughs> fizzling yes. out. Brilliant. Excellent. So now, just before we start our epic serialisation of The Prisoner Part 1, Departure and Arrival, just time to round up our latest releases. And since it's only recently become September, for us it is September the 1st here today, we thought that this might be a good time to give you a quick reminder of everything we released in August. Okay, here's the list. Torchwood, major look. You're him, aren't you? The audiobook of Paul Darrow's autobiography read by the man himself. Doctor Who, Fiesta of the Damned, starring Sylvester McCoy, Sophie Aldred and Bonnie Langford. Doctor Who, The Casualties of Time, starring Tom Baker, Lala Ward, David Warner and David Troughton. The Sacrifice of Sherlock Holmes, starring this man, Nicholas Briggs, Richard Earle, Tracy Childs and Jeremy Clyde. Bernice Summerfield, The Unbound Universe, starring Lisa Bowman, David Warner and Mark Gatiss and... Doctor Who, Short Trips, Damascus, a third Doctor adventure read by Tim Trelaw. Quite a month. Mm-hmm. And another one's only just begun. Yeah, September, that is. That's what I'm talking about. <coughs> I, I, I genuinely I looked at the calendar this morning on the computer and it said September the 1st. And, like, I had that moment of just... Uh, <laughs> it's, it's just, like... That, that wasn't like a uh, like a happy uh, that was a oh uh, like it's, you can't believe how fast this year has gone it's whooshed by it does well, <laughs> it, it does the, it does it does that it does mate take it from someone who's <laughs> twice your age <laughs> it certainly does and it just goes faster and faster and faster and then you, <laughs> straight into a coffin right uh, <laughs> by the way I just thought I'd mention here there was uh, uh, another uh, an email came in today it says howdy big finish chaps I cannot help but notice the big finish podcast is currently lacking a serialised audio drama to round it out into an even hour well I think it's going to be about five hours right we've been rabbiting on and so I have a suggestion for a brand new audio drama comedy series to feature alongside the podcast what if you could make an entirely original series starring Nick Benji and anyone else who is interested someone walking past my house uh, with the scripts for each episode being written by the listeners you could uh, possibly write the first episode of a season in uh, in house and then ask the listeners to continue the story by emailing in the scripts for each subsequent episode to be recorded during the week if you're up for it performed live what do you think and it's signed um, Herbert F. Schnurbart. And, and yet the email says it's from Alexander Basden. So I'm not quite sure what's going on. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I thought I'd mention that now because we're about to introduce uh, The Prisoner, which is our, our little serialised drama. What do you think about that? Do you know what? Benji? I think that's a great idea. I think that's actually a good bit of fun. You know, a little, little tiny nugget of adventure there for everybody. Edge of your seat stuff. Yeah, it would just have to be you and me, though, wouldn't it, really? Oh, well, you know. No one, I mean, is there anyone else in your room there? There's no one else in mine. Um, <laughs> I've got a tambourine, uh-huh. <laughs> if that's any... The tambourine of death. 
Um, but apart, apart from that, no, there's, I don't, don't think there's anybody else in here, but I'm up for it. I think, you know, there, there's definitely something we can do. What was it? Moonbase cutlery. <laughs> utensil. Utensil. Moon which I kept utensil. mentioning and everyone failed to notice. Who wants the return of Moonbase utensil? <laughs> Nothing. Um, anyway, by the way, I, um, I just want because we usually talk about next week's podcast at this point. I'm going to a Doctor Who convention called Hooverville this weekend. So you never know. I might get an interview with someone. <laughs> no promises, you know. I might be too busy. Yes, you never know. You never know. We'll have a fantastic time, Nick. Enjoy. Thanks, mate. Yeah, enjoy yeah, yourself. Well. Enjoy yourself, yeah. Sam. Yeah. Go get yourself a shandy. Uh, <laughs> so, so as I this will. podcast comes to a close, it's now time for our first instalment of our serialization of part one of The Prisoner. It's weird, intriguing, and also wonderful and compulsive listening. It's bold and brave, a triumph, and quite possibly the best thing that Big Finish has ever produced. If you believe the reviews, who believes those, eh? <laughs> well, <clears throat> I, I believe them if they're nice, which they, <laughs> those were quotes from. And, uh, and, <laughs> and if they're not nice, then we probably assume that you're nothing but a foul spy. Um, but yes, so here it is. It is the Prisoner Departure and Arrival. From dispatch, 1800 hours standard European time, 16th January 1967. Agent codename ZM73 received emergency call from deep cover contact 062. Permission given for rendezvous at Mont Saint Jean, Belgium. Dover British Rail car ferry departure delayed until 2200 hours. Weather on channel crossing, gale force 8, heavy rain. Looks like our boy is going to get a thorough wetting. Surprised he didn't leave it until tomorrow. We are talking about him meeting 062, sir. Yes, I've <clears throat> heard the uh, rumours. Bit of an emotional thing. Should I be worried? About the emotional thing? Mm. No, no. They keep it uh, very professional. Of course they do. That ZM-73 through and through. Yes, wish we had more like him. There's only one ZM-73, Danvers. Indeed there is, sir. Indeed there is. Biscuit? Oh, thank you, sir. Not the custard cream. Of course not, sir. Evening, sir. That's your Lotus on the car deck, sir. Sir? What if it is? Well, it's just, uh, she's the only car we got tonight. Nobody else wanted to brave it. To be honest, I'm surprised we sailed at all. 
I have friends in high places. Hey? Oh, <laughs> very funny, sir. Hilarious, aren't I? Nice bit of work she is, Sir Lotus. Thank you. And a well does she? Don't overdo it, Cobb. Well, anyway, <coughs> just to let you know, we're uh, just arriving now. Much obliged. drive on the wrong side of the road, sir. I won't. ZM73's ferry arrives at Calais, 34 minutes late. Well, that's going to make him a bit tense. I hope he doesn't break any speed limits and get himself into trouble. He should be disembarking now, sir. Thank you, Danvers. Pour me a whiskey, would you, old chap? There's a good fellow. Of course, sir. I do worry about him in that bloody Lotus. The Lotus 7S2, sir. He built it himself. Really? He's going to get himself killed one day, you know. Should have crossed the border into Belgium by now. Do you think she'll be waiting for him? He won't break radio silence. Not the type. We'll know when he comes back. If he comes back. That serious, is it, sir? This Seltzman business? Oh, Danvers. It's always that serious. Uh, of course, sir. You took your time. Did you see the weather reports? Aren't you going to kiss me? You've never asked before. <laughs> Are you all right? I wouldn't have sent the message if I... Well, I know that. I meant... Well, never mind what I meant. <laughs> Found someone else? You are jumpy. Why arrange to meet here? Mont Saint-Jean. You tell me. No. You tell me. Okay. So you'd know it was me, of course. Of course. So, tell me. Seltzman. You have to come with me. Do I? You, you have to. I, I need... It's all right. Don't worry. All right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Sorry. Well, you stay here. I'll get the car. Uh, oh, okay. 
I love you. I won't be long. Wait. Okay. ZM-73. Verified. Barrier rising. half asleep, but that sounds like you, Danvers. No, I mean, ZM-73 has... Well, he... Danvers, if you've really phoned me at 3.13 in the morning just to stammer at me, I have to tell you I shall seriously consider having you shot for treason. He's resigned. Contact at BOAC tells us he's booked a flight to the Bahamas. Departure time, 1100 hours this morning. Has he been spotted? Not since he went back to his apartment. We have eyes on the apartment? Yes, sir. Who? Uh, who? Oh, uh, um, I'll, I'll have a look into that. You really are a bloody fellow sometimes, Danvers. Uh, in here, sir. Yes, I know where the bloody situation room is. Thank you. Control entering situation room. Look lively. Don't do that, Danvers. I'm not at all happy with you today. Yes, sir. Sorry, sir. Now, who have we got on the ground? Cobb, sir. God help us. His little helper. Here's ZM73's resignation letter, sir. Thank you. Good God. What does it say, sir? It says he's resigned, Danvers. What the hell do you think it says? Uh, yes, sir. And stop agreeing with me all the time. It's very disagreeable. You, 
Sir? Tell Cobb to enter ZM73's apartment. He's already tried knocking, sir. How imaginative. What happened? No reply. Contact him by RT. Tell him to break the door down. Are you serious, sir? My best agent has just resigned for no good reason. He's booked on a flight out of Heathrow at 11 o'clock this morning and no one's seen him leave his apartment. Yes, I'm serious. Right. Smash it in. Security! Sorry about this, sir. Come out with your hands up, please. Search the place. Clear! Nothing in here! Clear! Not here? Code 65968. Situation room. It's Cobb. Is that Cobb? Give it to me. Well, Cobb. Did you get him? Uh, no, sir. He's, uh, he's gone. 